Uh, if you would, take out your Bible with me and turn to the book of Mark. We're going to be looking at Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 1, extending all the way to verse 26. Mark chapter 8, verses 1 through 26. Megan Rapino is a member of uh, the U.S. women's soccer team. She is a very, uh, she's a very gifted athlete uh, that plays uh, for that team. Uh, God has blessed her uh, with um, a lot of athleticism. Uh, and she had her last game recently in which she tore her Achilles tendon. And what was almost shocking to a lot of people uh, is what she said in the post-game interview as she's being interviewed and how her reaction to uh, her injury and how they how her team played. She said, uh, and this isn't a direct quote, but she says something along the lines of this. I'm not a religious person or anything by any means, but I know that my injury is proof that there's not a God. My injury is proof that there's not a God. A God that has blessed her with all kinds of athleticism uh, and, and skill. She says, my injury is proof that there is not a God. The fact of the matter is, is that Megan Rapino is blind. She's spiritually blind. A spiritual blindness, it's when the evidence of God, His existence, His work in your life, the evidence of God is all around you, and you can see it, but yet you can't see. Spiritual blindness is this disconnect. It's a disconnect from what I see and what is and reality, which pours over in my actions, in my behavior. And it, and it, and it brings about poor choices and, and unwise decisions. But it's not just atheists. It's not just people who don't believe in God that are touched by spiritual blindness. The Bible says that those closest to Jesus can be touched with spiritual blindness as well. Spiritual blindness is a very real threat. It's a very real danger in the life of the Christian. So what I want to talk about tonight, I want to talk about several case studies that we see, examples that we see spiritual blindness and how we as God's people can overcome that spiritual blindness and walk in the light as He is in the light and see clearly as we go about our Christian life. Turn with me there, if you will. We're going to be looking at Mark chapter 8, verses 1 through 26. First three verses. In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered, and they had nothing to eat, he, Jesus, called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd, because they've been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they'll faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. Now, we as Bible students who have been going through the Gospel of Mark for the past several months, this should ring a bell, shouldn't it? Didn't, haven't we seen something like this before? Of course we have. In Mark chapter 6, when Jesus fed the 5,000 men uh, with... 
uh, with just uh, five loaves of bread and two fish, and there were 12 baskets full left over. Yeah, remember that, because this story is very similar to what we've already talked about in the Gospel of Mark. And not only should it ring a bell for us, it should have rung a bell for Jesus' disciples who were witnesses, eyewitnesses of the, of the miraculous sign and wonder that Jesus performed in Mark chapter 6. It should have rang a bell. But notice with me their reaction in the text. Look at verse 4 of Mark 8. And his disciples answered him, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? I mean, really, guys? Really? <laughs> it wasn't that all that long ago. It was just a relatively short time ago when you witnessed with your eyes the miraculous feeding of 5,000 plus people from five loaves of bread and two fish. They witnessed these things. They saw these things. And it makes you think, you know, are we going to go through the same thing again? And we do. Look in the text in verse 5. And he asked them, how many loaves do you have? They said, seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And they set them before the crowd. And they had, and, and they had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. And there were about 4,000 people. And he sent them away. And immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha. Now, this is essentially the same scenario that had happened in Mark chapter 6. I mean, of course, there are different numbers. There, there are different elements. Um, it's, not the, it's not the same story. It's a different occurrence. But it's essentially the same thing is going on. There's a large crowd of people. They have no way to feed themselves. Uh, they're hungry. It's been a long time since they've gone without, well, since they've gone with food. And Jesus miraculously multiplies a small amount of food so all people could be nourished. So all the crowd, these thousands and thousands and thousands of people could be fed. So we see the mighty power of Jesus. It's on display for all to see, for these thousands of people to see, and his disciples who have witnessed this same thing before. But... They don't get it. They don't see what's going on here. The, the, the disciples, they can see all these things. And, and they're, they're closer to Jesus than, than any other person. But yet, there's a disconnect from what they see and what is. From what they see and reality. They can see Jesus. They can see the power, the authority and the compassion of Jesus Christ, but yet they can't see. Now notice with me, let's look at another case study of spiritual blindness in Mark chapter 8. Look at verse 11. Look at verse 11 through 13. A more hostile group to Jesus. Verse 11, the Pharisees 
came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. So the Pharisees, the opponents of Jesus, those that really don't like Jesus, those that are trying to discredit him, trying to trip him up, they come to him and they demand a miraculous sign from heaven to test him. They're essentially saying, we don't believe who you are, Jesus, who you claim to be, so why don't you, like the prophet Elijah in 1 Kings, call down fire from heaven so that we can know that you are from God. And Jesus essentially says... No, no, no sign from heaven is going to be given to you. Jesus doesn't, he doesn't give them any kind of miraculous sign in the moment to, to prove himself because there are signs all around them. They have been given signs. I mean, Jesus' ministry has been going on for a while now. He's been healing. He's been casting out demons. He's been performing mighty miracles and mighty works and all kinds of signs and wonders. And still, they don't see. The, the Pharisees, what, what, what they've proven, they, they've proven here by, by, by now that even though Jesus gives them a sign, even if Jesus did miraculously call down fire from heaven or something like that, they still wouldn't believe. They're blind. They're spiritually blind. They're like those, remember that parable in Luke chapter 16, the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. The Pharisees in the story, they're like the five brothers in that story. Remember the end of that story? Let's read it together in verse, Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 27. The end, of that par- the end of the story. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, the rich man, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Father Abraham said, They have Moses, and they have the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, then they'll repent. If somebody rises from the grave and they see a miraculous sign such as that, then they will repent. And then they will come to know God. And then he said to him in verse 31, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. That's the Pharisees in this passage. They're blind. The opponents of Jesus are spiritually blind, even though they have this evidence, signs and wonders and miracles all around them that they can see personally that points to who this Jesus is. His power and His authority and His compassion, they can't see. And brothers and sisters, there are today so many people, so many people that fit that same bill. So many opponents of Jesus, like Megan Rapinoe, who 
look at the world around them who can see the creation, who can see the wonders and beauty of God, but yet are spiritually blind. But not just Jesus' opponents, not just those who are in complete opposition to Jesus are those who uh, are spiritually blind. It's those who are closest to him as well that have this spiritual nearsightedness or this spiritual blindness. Let's look at yet another case study. Look at verse 14 in Mark chapter 8. Verse 14 and 15. Now they had forgotten to bring bread. That's the disciples. They had forgotten to bring bread. And they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them saying, Watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now you know that leaven is the stuff inside bread that makes it rise, that makes it multiply. Leaven is something inside of something else. And by this statement, what Jesus is trying to do, Jesus is trying to teach them a spiritual truth. They mention bread, they mention leaven, and Jesus says, watch out. Beware of the leaven of Herod and the Pharisees. Beware of what is inside of them because it's nothing good and it will lead to destruction if you listen to them, if you follow them, if you give in to them and they will lead you astray. But notice, notice how they interpret Jesus' words in the passage in verse 16. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive? Do you not yet understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the five thousand... How many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, Twelve. And the seven for the four thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, Seven. And he said to them, Do you not yet understand? Jesus says, Having eyes do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? Jesus, is, he, he's, he's basically saying, guys, are you blind? Are you blind? Are you spiritually blind? There's evidence all around you. I have performed sign after sign after sign. Wonder after wonder after wonder. Miracle after miracle that points to who I am that Moses and the prophets have foretold. Oh, it's all around you that I am the I am. Those closest to Jesus here, those closest to him, are spiritually nearsighted. They're spiritually blind. They're personal witnesses to all of these things, but yet they can't see. Now, Let's don't be too harsh. I don't, I don't want to be too harsh on these guys. 
I don't want to be too harsh on on the disciples um, because we can very easily see ourselves in them. We can very see easily see our our actions, the the way that we respond to God uh, sometimes by by their actions. And and I think this story, I think one of one of the major intentions, uh, the why why Mark places it why Mark places it here is that it's to be a helpful warning for us that we too, who are closest to Jesus, we too can so very easily fall into the same kind of trap that the disciples themselves fell in. When, when I elevate selfish pursuits above my own personal spiritual development, when my own personal spiritual growth, I'm giving in to spiritual blindness. We can be really close to Jesus. We can be really close to Him. We can come to church regularly, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, participate in all the activities, come participate in worship, hear the preaching. We can do all the right things on Sunday morning and have all of our P's and Q's aligned and our, our, our I's dotted and our T's crossed and, um, and have all of our doctrine uh, correct, but at the same time still not get it. It's very possible church if your eyes are not attuned to spiritual things if your eyes are not open so how how is we uh, we as God's people how how can we how can we guard ourselves from this kind of blindness that Satan wants to inflict upon us how can we walk in the glorious light as he is in the light notice with me continuing in the text Verse 22. And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and he said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. You know, as you look at this uh, account of Jesus healing the blind man and where Mark places this story, I don't think it's any accident that Mark places this here. Um, as, uh, and, and I think that's evident by what we have just seen, our case studies of, 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 of spiritual blindness. Uh, I, I really think that Jesus is directing this, uh, this healing miracle as a message toward his disciples who have been affected by this spiritual nearsightedness, this spiritual blindness. He's essentially saying by healing this man, guys, you're like this blind man. I intervened in his life. I touched him. I put a part of myself on his eyes. But yet he opened his eyes and he still couldn't see clearly. He was still affected by spiritual nearsightedness, spiritual blindness. He could see a, a little bit. It's kind of hazy. He saw people that looked like trees 
walking around. Guys, you're like this blind man. I've touched you. I've intervened in your life. I've been with you for a long, long time now. And you've seen many wonderful, glorious things. But you're like, peop- but you're like this man that sees people, not clearly, that sees people and they look like they're trees walking, walking around. Um, I really think that this is directed toward Jesus' disciples here. Um, and, uh, and the fact is, is that Jesus, he, uh, he reveals himself to a world that's spiritually blind. He reveals himself to a world that's affected with spiritual nearsighted yet, nearsightedness. But yet, so many people are still, are still blind. Uh, Paul in Romans chapter 1, uh, verse 20 says, For his invisible attributes, namely... His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. So how do we guard ourselves from spiritual nearsightedness? How do we guard ourselves from spiritual blindness so that we can be as people that live in the light, that, that, that are lights to the world and point people to the light of the world. It's only when we cling to Jesus. It's really simple, but yet so complex at the same time. It's only when we cling to this Jesus, when we depend on Him with a spirit of desperation and allow Him to intervene in our life every single day with the heart of a child, can we walk with spiritual sight. When we cling to Jesus with this kind of childlike trust, this kind of childlike humility and faith, we'll be like the blind men. The blind, the blind men in the, in, in the passage when Jesus touches him the second time. And then he can see everything clearly. So what's the message tonight? How can we guard ourselves from spiritual blindness, from spiritual nearsightedness? Be a lover of the truth. Be a lover of truth. Humble yourself. Trust in this Jesus and His power, His authority, and His compassion. Always seek Him in whatever you do. Pray consistently and constantly, Lord, help me to walk in You. And if there is any evil and wicked way within me, help me to see it so that I can submit to you, so that I can surrender to you, and so that I can be who you want me to be and walk in the light as you are in the light. That's the message for this evening. If anyone needs to respond to the gospel call, it's open uh, to all who has need. If you, know, if, you, if you know that you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can change that tonight. You can repent of your sins. You can, can believe on His name, confess His name publicly, and be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. You can do that if you have need as we stand and as we sing.